Hello and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And Father, I wanted to kind of get back to one of the topics about why I had the impulse to want to make this podcast. And it, it's it been kind of driving the, the approach I bring to the table with it, which is when we look around society, and this translates into the last couple conversations we've been having as well there just has been just a general i don't know if it's intentional or just the way currents go sometime just a distancing from faith life in general and you know you hear people who are older than you always saying how much it was worse when they were kids compared to when you were a kid and so on and so forth and I'm probably just hitting the point in my life where I'm old enough to start doing that to the next people below me um, as I'm hiring people that are 10 years younger than me and whatnot. And not to to, to get into the economic world, but to, to stay strictly in the faith world, I want to just get to kind of why that is and what we can do to stem it. You know, in our last couple of conversations we had, was the importance of how Christ is the bridegroom to the church. And then our last one was the importance of staying married together. And this is the next answer out of that kind of stream of thought, which is why are we separating away? You know, I know that we we've had conversations in the past that in the old Testament in particularly there's cycles of the Jews being very close to God, falling away, a bad thing happened, and then them coming close. And so that's kind of a macro version. But on a micro version, we can kind of see it in people's lives around us. When things are good and happy, they forget church is a thing. But as soon as someone has troubles in their life of significance, they become closer to, to, to God. And I wanted to just kind of step in and say, you know, why is that? And, and what can we do to keep this problem from growing? Because it seems almost as if there's no action to correct the course. It's just going to keep being a distancing. And then eventually, like any other relationship, as that's kind of been the key example we've been using for a while here you don't talk to someone for a couple of years it just feels weird to kind of call them out of the blue or something and like a malaise almost and i feel that in a lot of ways there's many people out there that are caught in that zone so that was where i wanted to start today's episode and have a conversation about that because it just seems to be a gigantic issue out there that might even be the elephant in the room that we've been missing. Uh, why are people, why have people uh, written off religion essentially? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I mean, in some sense, if I could answer that question uh, simply or universally, then, uh, you know, we would already be uh, <laughs> have, have the remedy. I think, I think part of the reason, uh, 
that we're in a crisis is because people like you are not even asking that question. <laughs> so I'm grateful on this podcast to to raise the question and to to bring it before people. Um, I, I've really appreciated a lot of the work of uh, Jordan Peterson, who, as Bishop Barron has described him, as a kind of way station between uh, modern culture and religious belief and practice. That he, by using a little different approach, and so he kind of sidesteps a lot of the obstacles that people put up, he shows the importance of uh, transcendence, really, something beyond ourselves, that that we're operating according to uh, laws and principles that are not of our own creating, but are things that we receive, and we can't just deny by a, a push of a button or a sweep of a hand. Uh, so the he, he does that a lot based on kind of Jungian archetypes and the, the hero archetype, the, you know, there are things that move us universally. You know, there's a reason that the movie Titanic is a massive bestseller. People watch it and it moves something in them. And there's a reason that we're all wired the same way and it, it goes back to something. So he's done a great work in just asking that question and exploring those possibilities. Well, what are we wired for? What is the what is this structure of our being? We didn't create our own humanity. How, how do we function as human beings? And, and so how do we work with that rather than kind of simple-mindedly denying it or rejecting it? And just kind of asking those questions, ultimately, they're, they're philosophical questions, you know, about why, why are we here at all? And how does our, you know, how do we function? And so um, I think that, uh, I think well, clearly a loss of that has been problematic, and it's been substituted for by this this line. I, I like what Jordan Peterson says simply as well to atheists. He says, you know, it's ridiculous to to talk about atheism. He said, practically speaking, your God is whatever is the most important thing in your life. You know, we arrange values, a value hierarchy in our lives. And whatever's on the top of that value hierarchy is our God. That's what we sacrifice for. That's what we live for. That's what we suffer for. That's what makes us go. And so just to say, oh, I don't have one of those. Well, yeah, of course you do. <laughs> and, and so what is that? That's a better question to ask. What is the thing that makes us go? What is the thing that drives us? What is the thing that we sacrifice other things for? And, you know, that's a, a complex answer, uh, but it's it's an important question to ask ourselves to explore what our motivational structures are and, and what that's oriented towards. So it's it's that kind of uh, exploration, the idea of, oh, I, you know, I don't serve any God, but I'll sacrifice everything to keep my business alive. Well, <laughs> um, now maybe I'm doing that because actually what I'm sacrificing for is to keep my business alive so that I can support my family. And so really that's the most important value to me. But, you know, when it comes between uh, whatever, my, uh, my wife and my, you know, something else, uh, then, then what, what wins out in that uh, competition, you know, in that, that conflict. And so, so actually understanding ourselves and understanding how we make decisions is, is really critical. And then we start to discover is like, well, then we can take that back to something more fundamental in terms of 
like why why do I exist and how do I exist and and you know where does being come from where does existence come from and and how do I understand you know what happens after death you know and what do I just stop existing and if I do stop existing then why do I care what I did during my life you know and so anyway just these kinds of questions start to stir up a lot of stuff and we start to discover that in fact uh, we get some answers when we look toward ancient wisdom and so even somebody like Jordan Peterson who wouldn't call himself Christian uh, would look to Christianity for the ancient wisdom that it contains and the insight it gives into our humanity uh, that insight that opens up into also the meaning of our communities and society and uh, that that opens up a question of right and wrong uh, morality and you know we can rebuild those foundations like he does based on some things that are we would all agree on uh, you know he describes evil as intentionally causing suffering meaningless suffering to others <laughs> that's evil and uh, in general suffering is something that we can all recognize as real and so what do we do about suffering and how can we uh, limit or at least make you know if we're going to endure suffering we're not going to eliminate it so the efforts to eliminate all suffering end up causing a lot more suffering in the end um, but then how do we handle it well we need a meaning that's sufficient to help us live through suffering to endure suffering well, where do we get that meaning from okay now we're back to those fundamental questions what is that meaning what's the, what is the meaning of my life and so those kinds of things are really helpful and it's it's meaningful that millions of people are drawn to uh, Jordan Peterson because he speaks in a different way that really connects with our human experience and it starts to look at those questions that we don't have obvious answers to science doesn't provide those answers and uh, the Republicans don't provide those answers and the the other power brokers you know money doesn't provide those answers the other power brokers in our world don't provide answers to those things where do we look for answers and again, that's where religion in general, and obviously, according to you know my the as as made obvious by the commitment in my own life and uh, yours too, Joe. That's why we have this conversation. Uh, you know, we believe that Christianity has the fullest answer to that question. That living according to Christian answers is going to lead us to the fullness of life and bring us even into the fullness of eternity. And so we throw in our lot there and we move forward with that, applying that wisdom. Um, so now a lot of people, everybody is not going to approach this question in this way, <laughs> you know, but we should be clear about that. And that's where uh, culture is so important. And, you know, having somebody else that you trust who does think through these things is so important. And probably everybody in our podcast is uh entering into this question or able to enter into this question in this way you know the things that i'm saying make sense to the people who are listening to our podcast there are a whole lot of people who are not listening to our podcast obviously so uh and and they would be maybe uh spoken to in, in a different way but uh so asking these 
asking these questions, I think, is is so critical. And then obviously there have been a lot of, you know, in order to trust someone, they have to have a good track record. So do we look at Christianity and say, well, obviously there's wisdom there because there's a good track record. Well, if we look at certain parts of Christianity and certain parts of the Catholic Church, we'd say, heck no, there's not a good track record. There's a lot of problems there, you know, historically speaking and and contemporaneously speaking, there are a lot of problems there. So uh, how do I how do I reconcile that? And some people say, well, I'm just not interested. I'm just going to walk away. Now they look to people don't know the problems in Buddhism, for example. I'm not trying to pick on Buddhism, but just to take a you know, or uh, maybe Hinduism or something. In our Western world, we haven't been exposed to all of the corrupted power structures and the manipulations of belief and the uh, the failed experiments and the you know, we just don't know that history very well. So it seems like it's all clean from the first approach to it, and then. Uh, people get into that to various degrees. And anywhere you go, you're going to discover the the mixed reality of it, because everywhere you go, there are sinners. <laughs> everywhere you go, there are human beings who are who are flawed and don't perfectly implement whatever it is. Uh, uh, so sometimes people have to press into it and they look for that new beginning because they become disenchanted with Christianity. Uh, Christianity really formed everything that we know and depend on in the Western world, uh, as we've talked about different times. I mean, science emerged from Christianity, and art and music really emerged from Christianity, and our governmental structures really emerged from Christianity. And, you know, it's formed and it's all through everything, but its failures are also in our faces and have been repeated. Uh, many times reiterated many times by people and so we're just so aware of all of that and this kind of longing for a new beginning or this longing for just pushing all that aside and not facing any of it kind of keeps us in a place of malaise like you described or just sort of doing it on our own and then what what principles are we following when we do that well you know people i i think people are generally oriented to the good in the sense that they're not just causing pain to each other meaninglessly. You know, I don't think that most people are just doing evil, but are most people really protected from the evil that others are going to do? You know, where was the German society at the advent of the Nazis? They became complicit to one degree or another. Not everybody, certainly. Some heroically resisted. Some never really gave in in their hearts. Some didn't know what they were giving into. Anyway, there's a whole range of things. But ultimately, Hitler couldn't have done it on his own. I mean, he had to have a lot of complicity. So what leads us in that direction? What are the safeguards we need morally, intellectually, to prevent us from going in those directions? We look around at our society today, and I think there are a lot of people who are just flabbergasted at the kinds of things that were unthinkable 30 years ago and are just happening everywhere now. And, and, you know, a lot of the sort of uh, sexual areas being an obvious example of it, um, I think the, the violence tends to be, is getting more exposed in some sense. I mean, some of the abuse that's been in families for a long time or in other structures of trust, whether it's the Boy Scouts or public school teachers or, God forbid, Catholic priests and nuns and others who should be trusted. A lot of things are being brought out, which is 
helpful, I think, but it's also devastating. Things we thought we could trust now seem to be not unconditionally trustworthy. Hopefully we can still trust people, but we can't trust a person just because he's a priest or just because he's a public school teacher or just because he's a Boy Scout leader. We have to be more careful about how we apply trust now. So, but as as people are, you know, trying to navigate this this process and it, it brings them in all kinds of different directions. And, um, you know, I, I think we try to present the faith, you know, you and I in our podcast together and, and so many people, Bishop Barron and uh, Father Mike Schmitz, and there are a lot of kind of outspoken people who do that. And, and a lot of humble, simple people, a lot of parents who try to share with their children these truths of faith and a meaning of life and uh, a moral foundation and direction. And, you know, a lot of people are trying to do that. So uh, ultimately, I would bring us back to Christianity as really having all of that truth. The Second Vatican Council really wanted to represent all of that truth in a way that would address situations in the modern world and struggles that people go through today and be sensitive to points of confusion or um, things that way that ways that things aren't received well or to be honest about the you know I mean the church is composed of sinners and so it's not surprising that things go wrong even in significant ways in different areas but we believe that the Holy Spirit is also active in the church and ultimately she won't go astray, you know? So trying to present those truths in a way that speaks to people's real experience. That's kind of this post-Vatican II uh, model that, you know, the church is to one degree or another trying to implement. So anyway, just a lot of stuff there that is really important to consider. And like I said, if I could just encourage one thing, it would be asking the question that you're asking and then really looking for like I said, a, a Jordan Peterson on the one hand who approaches it in a very humanistic way, not a uh, sp uh, specifically religious way, like following a particular religion, but sees the value and the wisdom in different religions and is able to receive that. Or a Bishop Barron who is also very coherent and has a way of presenting the faith and to keep looking to people that speak to us and make sense out of the kind of mess that, we're, uh, that we experience. Yes, exactly. So to kind of unpack some of the stuff you just went through right there, starting with whether you're an atheist or not, it, it what you're going to sacrifice for is, is what you're believing in. And you gave the example there of, of wanting to, to run your business, keep it alive. Well, the business might be the means to an end to take care of your family. Or if some, for some people it is just acquiring and acquiring. So I think that that doesn't matter whether you're atheist or not. That That's true for, for any faith you may have been born into is what are your priorities and going forward and, and getting God into the middle there and God up front from the middle to, to the actual front and center of your life. And then the, the next area you got into was about suffering, about how we don't, evil is intentionally putting suffering upon us, but there still is natural day-to-day -day suffering or, or misery or whatever you want to call it, just stuff that you'd have to get through. And I think particularly in America, 
we have a, um, a disadvantage in this department in a sense, um, the rest of because if you look at the world our grandparents or great grandparents grew in versus ours, a lot of what they had as their ordinary misery and things that you wouldn't want to deal with have gotten fixed through science and technology. Um, we have modern day heating and cooling equipment in virtually every building, which means you don't need to sweat like crazy or freeze. You can keep your world essentially temperature controlled. Um, you, know, you just look at a, a car. It used to be no such thing as power power steering, and you'd be doing a workout working that wheel, and now you can do it not even looking at the road with your pinky. And just the, the way that we've gotten suffering out of our lives has kind of diminished the, 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 the need and the reliance upon God. And the other thing you mentioned in there that I thought is interesting is something that I hadn't really thought of, but again, it's one of these things that you bring up that are obvious that I don't consider is religions are ancient. I mean, they are well over thousands of years old and we're in a culture that this iPhone is a year old. We need to replace it. And to think that, that, how just naturally contrarian that is from everything else we have. Um, you know, most cars are only owned by one owner for five years at the most. <laughs> and, and, and it's constantly turned over. But as we've gone through an experience, both in our lives and discussing it in this cast, that it's really the natural law things that we discuss that bring us back to bigger fulfillment in our life. You know, living humility, living prudence and courage that actually enhances yourself. That's what leads to love and faith. So that is is one of the other key things I got from from what you just articulated there. And yes, I do think inherently we all have to be good. And and your example through the church was that's the Holy Spirit pulling us to be on the good side of the ledger rather than the evil side of the ledger. Because I think at the end of the day, if it was truly a coin flip on everyone's decision about being good or evil, inevitably people would become selfish and all about themselves. And I feel that it's the Holy Spirit bringing you towards humility and doing what's right that ends up bringing the, the society towards, towards, you know, the right side of the line, but just seeing the distancing from the need of faith is a problem. And like I said, I, I, by no means am I going out encouraging, get rid of your, your cooling system or heating system for your car or anything like that. But where I'm coming from is I think that we're just missed this general appreciation that had been bestowed upon us because, you know, there's very few people who are driving today that knew the world before the interstate system was built, but our grandparents lived through it and they knew how hard it would be. You know, it would be impossible for me to drive to where you're at right now, you know, right after world war two, it just wouldn't have happened. It would have been a day's journey. It certainly would have been something I did back and forth in an hour 
And by the way, was also able to stop and get as much gas as I wanted. And if I wanted to eat, could have done that too with relatively no difficulty. And just to think about how far we've come, which is on one hand, fantastic. We're solving each other's miseries, but because of that, missing something in the fulfillment. I know I just went a little long there, Father, but I definitely want to give you a chance to to respond and make sure that I'm going on the right track. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds exactly right. Yeah, and, and uh, you made a nice uh, contrast. I think you took my my thought a step further when you pointed out that uh, our readiness to replace with the next version everything has given us a readiness to replace ancient wisdom with the next version. And the idea that everything modern is better, the newer, the better, everything old is bad, is, uh, is yeah, very destructive mentality. It's caused us to throw a lot of things out or just disregard a lot of wisdom. We, it, it also has a kind of superficial quality to it that uh, sometimes you have to sit with things and take them in and work with them, process them. And with that ancient wisdom, with uh, philosophy, with these big questions, you don't just get quick answers. And that's a, another part of the kind of modern uh, situation that, you know, something breaks, just buy a new one. If uh, there's a new model out, just discard the old and, and buy the new, that the newer is always going to function better. And we don't need to get more out of the old one. So even the idea of, of repairing things, putting time into something that's broken or old in order to make it good as new uh, is we've, we've lost so much of that in practical experience. We just throw things out, replace things with new versions. And so um, that whole process of uh, going deeper into something, exploring the depths of something, drawing out more wisdom from something, the idea that when I read something for the fifth time, I can get more out of it than I could the first, second, third, or fourth times, that uh, when I sit with these eternal truths that they reveal themselves they open up to me more and more and that whole kind of meditative process process of deeper reflection which ultimately opens to prayer if we believe that there's someone listening on the end on the other end of that process then that that we've lost that so much we've lost it in the church and and have lost it certainly in the world. Although those are the interesting kinds of signs is the way that that stuff pops up again. You know, I mentioned the sort of Buddhist or Hindu approach that people are still looking for something ancient, something trustworthy, something tried and true. And so they're going somewhere else and finding that in some cases, or uh, we find it in, you know, there are retreats People have secular retreats where they can just go to a place and be in silence. They want the silence. People are paying for silence. Well, it's like, yeah, that's part of our spiritual tradition. We need, we need that time of silence. We need retreats to get away and commune with God in a, in a deeper way. But that we started to substitute natural things, commune with nature. Uh, we started to find natural silence and we have turned to you know, almost worshiping uh, mountains or ski slopes or uh, things. I can't live without this. You know, whenever we say that, ultimately, 
we're, we're, we're pointing toward that thing being a God. When I say I can't, without this, I can't be happy. I, my life is not fulfilled. It's not meaningful. Um, well, then if, if we take that to the highest extent, that's really uh, what worship is. Worth-ship is actually where that word comes from, is the worth in something, the worth that we're giving to something. We worship something when we give it the highest worth. And what do we give the highest worth to in our lives? Well, we would say the one who created it all and keeps it in being and gave us the structures in which we can actually have happiness and enjoy life, gave us a, a moral guidance so that everybody can have that. So it's not my happiness at the expense of your happiness, that we both can have happiness. We both can have value and meaning in our lives. So the highest worth and thus what we worth worship should be that which makes all of it possible. And not in, in Christianity, we know that not only as kind of uh, being and God as the ground of unsource of all things, but we know that he is revealed. He also has a personality and he is a communion of love and he is a person with whom we can have a personal relationship and all of those kinds of things that we have talked about and certainly Christianity talks about extensively. So yeah, the uh, looking to ancient wisdom and finding deeper meaning and actually reflecting on these things at some length and expecting that uh, things that are the most substantial and meaningful take some time to integrate and to, to open up their, their treasures to us. And so we need to, to, to sit with them, be with them, think about them, take them in uh, that, a lot of that stuff is, you know, takes dying to self and it takes effort and, and it can be difficult. And people have abandoned that for more superficial stimulation, superficial pleasures. Yeah. In fact, one of the streaming services actually did a study and they found that even though they're putting up original TV content on your screen, the majority of people who are so-called watching it are actually playing on their phones with it on. Um, so that's interesting how uh, overwhelming we are, we become. So uh, with that being said, as far as something to do to move forward throughout the week, to, to, to find a calm place within ourselves and to look at truly what those priorities are within our lives. You know, are we putting God up there as number one? And in doing so, that will brighten our own lights and hopefully be able to light some more of those around us. So we thank you for being here with us this week. We thank you for sharing the episode and telling your friends about us. And we'll be with you again next week.